Today, I want to talk to you about boundaries. Not the type of boundaries we think about when we're thinking of Cousin Fred who can't keep a secret or your neighbor who's always asking if he can use your pool and doesn't get the hint that you're kind of tired of it. But I'm talking about the lines that divide one thing from another, those type of boundaries. As some of you may know, I grew up in Nairobi, Kenya. And Nairobi is less than 100 miles south of quite a significant boundary, the equator. Living so close to such an important place, we had to go see it at some point. So one time when my family happened to be traveling out that direction anyway, we decided to make that extra drive to go and see the equator. There by the dusty side of the Kenyan road in a relatively unremarkable place was a simple sign that marked the equator. So of course, we did everything you would expect. We took pictures in front of the sign, pictures with one leg in each hemisphere. My older brother, who skateboards, even ollied over it and got a picture of that. And then we got back in the car and drove home. In many ways, that boundary seemed imaginary. There was a sign, sure, but that was the only indication that there was anything there. There was nothing else you could see. Contrary to what globes and maps might lead you to believe, there was not a giant dotted line that ran through the middle of that road. A boundary was there, but we couldn't see it. Imagine, however, if instead of turning back south and going home, my family had continued driving north until we got to the boundary between Kenya and Ethiopia that boundary would have been much more obvious. There would probably have been some sort of barrier across the road. There would have been soldiers guarding it and who knows what else. We wouldn't have been able to stand with one leg on either side of that line. In fact, if we'd wanted to cross that boundary, we would have had to get out our passports, have some visas, talk to the soldiers, who knows what else. That boundary would have felt solid and immutable, a permanent marker of a very real division. Yet which boundary was the real one? One has clear markers and physical dividers. It has obvious implications and a physical sense of permanence. The other is invisible, has a little sign, and honestly, kind of seems imaginary. Yet, the one that seems so clear is relatively new and, in a sense, impermanent. Kenya has only been an independent country for less than 100 years. And throughout the history of the world, nations and empires have risen and fallen. Their boundaries have expanded and shrunk. And those oh-so-obvious real divisions have shifted and disappeared over and over through the history of the world. Meanwhile, that imaginary invisible division between the northern and the southern hemispheres has always had implications for physics and the actual functioning of the whole planet. So I ask you again, which boundary was the real one? Of course, all of this is just an illustration because the real question I want to ask you is which boundaries in your lives 
are the real ones? Which divisions are actually there? I know which ones seem the most real. I know which ones probably have the most obvious and immediate implications for day-to-day -day life. There are so many of those boundaries in our lives. Fences around our yards, voting age, nationality, bank account size, Starbucks preference. The list goes on and on. We take boundaries for granted. We let them define how we understand each other, how we act and interact. And yet, these divisions are like that line between Kenya and Ethiopia. They have real-world implications, certainly, but when it comes down to it, they are human inventions that come and go. In the grand scheme of things, they are transient and changeable and impermanent. In a very real sense, they are imaginary. Countries change. Houses are bought and sold and fences can be moved. Voting age is dictated by laws that can be altered. And people can apply to be citizens of a different country. If these divisions that define our lives are really just imaginary or at best temporary, what are the true boundaries by which we should understand the world? If those seemingly fundamental boundaries are like the national border I talked about, what would be the equivalent of the equator? Our Acts reading from today addresses this, but in order to fully understand it, we need to rewind a little bit. We need the backstory. The first thing you need to know is that in the Old Testament law, the people of God had to be very, very careful about the division between clean and unclean. There were clean and unclean foods, clean and unclean diseases, and so on. Part of how that was lived out in the time of Jesus and the apostles was that Gentiles, non-Jewish people, were considered impure because they ate unclean foods and came into contact with unclean things. A devout Jewish person would never have gone into a Gentile's house or eaten with them because to do so would have inevitably exposed them to unclean things. I want to be clear here. The law was not bad. It was not wildly bigoted. The original guidelines laid out in the Old Testament served at times to keep the people healthy and at times to keep them holy. Too much intermingling with the people and customs around them could, could and often did lead them away from the worship of the one true God. The second thing you need to understand is that the passage we read today is the middle of a story. The story begins with the Apostle Peter praying on a rooftop. As he prays, God gives him a vision. And in this vision, Peter sees all sorts of unclean animals. And a voice from heaven tells him to kill and eat one. Like any pious Israelite, he refuses, saying he has never eaten anything unclean. The voice tells him not to call anything unclean that God has made clean. This happens three times. It must have been puzzling for Peter. These were the exact things he was told not to eat. The Old Testament plainly says that they are unclean. Why is God now calling them clean? But what Peter did not yet understand was that Jesus had fulfilled the law. Those old divisions, those old boundaries between clean and unclean were no longer relevant 
where uncleanness in the Old Testament spread and corrupted anything clean it came into contact with. In Jesus, it is his cleanness that spreads, purifying the corrupt and unclean that comes into contact with him. Right after this vision, the Holy Spirit tells Peter to go with people who have just arrived downstairs, and not just to go with them, but to go with them to the house of a Gentile. Remember, Gentiles did not keep the purity laws, and devout Jews of that time would not even eat with them, let alone go in their homes. But Peter is obedient to the Holy Spirit, and he goes with these people to the house of this Gentile. And that is where our reading picks up. As Peter is sharing the gospel with these people, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them, shocking the Jewish believers who are with Peter. God is making it clear that the Gentiles are welcome into the family of God. The boundary lines around the people of God are spreading and opening to envelop all those who have come to believe in Jesus. Through the person and work of Jesus, boundary lines have shifted. Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension have reset those divisions because he has fulfilled the law, because he makes the unclean clean. The Gentiles don't have to do anything more than believe. They don't have to follow the law and become functionally Jewish. The law has already been fulfilled. The old divisions no longer matter. The division that matters now is who believes and who doesn't, who has received the Holy Spirit and who hasn't, who has been baptized and who hasn't. Peter recognizes this by immediately suggesting baptism as a way to acknowledge what the Holy Spirit has already done right before their eyes. And significantly, the newly converted Gentiles invite Peter to stay with them for several days. Gone are the old divisions. As the Apostle Paul writes elsewhere, there is now no longer Jew nor Greek. In the family of God, we are all one people. Nowadays, you and I probably don't worry so much about clean and unclean animals or whether or not we are eating with Gentiles. Those boundaries have been done away with so long ago for most of us that we don't even think about them. But we are so often constrained, even controlled, by the boundaries we perceive in the world around us. Socioeconomic boundaries, geopolitical boundaries, cultural boundaries, linguistic boundaries. The list goes on and on. They're like the border between Kenya and Ethiopia that I talked about earlier. It would be silly to suggest that those boundaries have no power because they do have practical implications. If I have an American passport, I don't have to get a visa to be here in Nashville. If I don't speak French, which I don't, I need an interpreter to speak to someone who only speaks French. And if I start planting flowers in the middle of my neighbor's yard, well, they might get a little irritated with me, to say the least. But those implications, those divisions, are in an ultimate sense illusory. In the church, we like to talk about living in the already and not yet, kingdom of God. Jesus has inaugurated that kingdom. The war against death and sin and the devil has been completely and decisively won. But even so, Jesus has not yet returned. The new heavens and the new earth have not yet brought the fullness of that kingdom. And there are still ongoing battles and skirmishes with death 
sin, and the sentient powers of evil. These boundaries, these real but actually kind of imaginary boundaries, are already but not yet gone. They're like the boundaries between clean and unclean. They're real in a sense. They affect how people act. But in another sense, they've already been done away with. Their constraints are temporary. In Christ, we are called to understand the world in light of the divisions made by the Holy Spirit and acts. Those divisions are like the equator, the ones that may seem imaginary, but are more real than anything we can see. And not only are we called to understand the world in light of those Holy Spirit-given divisions, but in Christ, like Peter, we are called to cross the boundaries of this world. What are the boundaries in your day-to-day life? What boundaries or divisions are unquestioned by the secular world around you? What boundaries do people who do not know Jesus think it would be anathema to cross? Those ones are probably a good place to start. The immediately obvious one to me, for example, is the political divide that runs so deep in our country today. It doesn't matter which side you are on. The other side is vilified, ridiculed, and feared. And in some quarters, to be too friendly with someone from the opposite political party is tantamount to consorting with the enemy. But Jesus never said anything about Republicans or Democrats. He did, however, say, love your neighbor as yourself and love your enemy. Do you know someone whose political opinions are very different from your own? Maybe it's time to cultivate a Christ-honoring, people-baffling friendship. Jesus crossed the boundary from heaven to earth. He crossed the boundary between God and humans. He calls us to cross the boundaries of this world in his name. In fact, he not only calls us to do so, but he commands us to cross those boundaries. Before his ascension, Jesus ordered his followers, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he declared, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, Jesus commanded them and commands us to cross the boundaries of this world, to spread the good news of the kingdom of God, the boundaries of which are the only ones that ultimately matter. The boundary for Christians is now who has heard the gospel and who hasn't? Who is my brother or sister in Christ and who isn't? Who is God calling me to cross boundaries to speak to? When you go home today, question the boundaries in your life and then cross the ones that are not from God. When we recognize the boundaries that are eternal and live by those ones, instead of being ruled by the temporary passing boundaries of this world, it realigns our lives to be more in keeping with Jesus. It draws us closer to him, and it helps us to see the world as it really is, ruled by a king whose kingdom is coming in its fullness and in whom all the petty divisions of this world will be washed away. When we live in accordance with God's boundaries, it is clear to the world that we believe what we say 
and that to be a Christian is something different from anything else the world has ever known. Go ye therefore into the rest of your life, cross the boundaries of this world, and be Jesus' witnesses in Nashville, in Tennessee, and in all the earth. Amen.